A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer Aerospace Excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 89 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We head out to the land of Soto, Acuna, and Trout today for our 2022 outfield preview with two great guests. Well, one great guest and the other one we'll see. Uh, but first, let's bring in my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, man. Good laugh to start the show. <laughs> we love we love messing with each other. And so it's going to be a good episode. You know, we all got to meet at First Pitch Arizona. So that's a, a fun time for sure. Good meeting all these guys, obviously. And, uh, you know, this is a good reunion because I used to do the Bases Loaded Pod with, with Curlin and, and George. So this is kind of a reunion. Kind of give away a little bit of who our guests are. But you've probably read it if you're <laughs> clicking on the episode. So it's good to be joined by them, and it's going to be a fun discussion. Yeah, it's it's in the show description, so people already know before they even hear my intro who's right. on the show. Uh, but yes, we have the bases loaded duo in the house today. First, he is a MLB writer at NBC Sports Edge, co-host of the Bases Loaded podcast, and co-owner of the new SK Playbook. A great analyst and an even better person, George Montanez joins us. George, how are you? I'm doing great, man. So always a pleasure to hang out and, and talk with you guys. So th- thanks for having me. And yeah, it was it was awesome meeting up in Arizona. I'm sure we'll do it again uh, this this year. So looking forward to that. Yeah, it was it was great finally meeting you. I met I met Mike at Florida back in 2020 before the pan right right before the pandemic. I remember Mike actually when I was flying out. I was sitting in my at the at like an early flight out of Tampa, and I was like looking at my phone waiting to board, and I was like. First two confirmed cases in Tampa Bay area. That was like just before everything started blowing up. So, um, yeah, I got to meet George out and Chris out in Arizona this past fall. So that was great. And yeah, always, always a pleasure talking baseball with you, fine gentlemen. Even, well, I'll call Curlin a fine gentleman too. He, he falls into that, <laughs> <laughs> into that demographic as well. Um, but of course, rounding up the crew today is a man of many faces. Some are his own. Some are Michael Simeone's, a man whose lineup takeaways are hotter than a microwave, 
He is the host of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast and the other co-owner of SK Playbook, along with writing for Roto Baller, the only man to ever fall asleep during a podcast, Mike Curlin. What's going on, bud? As what is he puts going on, the, on? He puts on the Simeon mask right now. It was you queued it up. I just figured I'd reach over and grab it. I, <laughs> I didn't really you had it right next to you. <laughs> oh, I keep everything locked and loaded, ready to go. Thanks for having me on. Um, all these years, I thought so highly of you, Eric. And then I finally met you and realized I was wrong. I thought way too highly of you. <laughs> I'm kidding. As you can see, and I hope those, obviously, those new listeners, uh, that uh, people have never heard of us or heard our podcast, Eric and I go way back now. And I'd say all four of us go way back now. And yeah. it's a lot of fun. We like to mess with each other a lot. But um, it's going to be a good time. And I really do appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. We, yeah, we I, like to poke fun, but yeah, we we all. I think the respect around the table is is high. Uh, respect's a strong word. Yeah. I was, I was <laughs> gonna say. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say. I remember, like you know, a couple years ago with uh, Chris coming up with uh, SP Streamer, and it's just so cool to see like just this the this circle of friends and and how we've all just kind of um, have grown together in, in different places and and uh, where we're all going. So it's it's really cool. Yeah, I totally agree. Fun to see the, all the ascension of everybody. So, except for Simeone, he can suck it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we all Simeone. love Simeone. We all love that guy. He's one of the he, him, and I go like him. George and I all kind of started right at the same time, and it's George and I again. Simeone's another guy. Former his first ever podcast was a bases loaded podcast episode and he was a co-host as well and of course everyone great leaves me i think it's a me problem at this point <laughs> i'm starting to take it personal guys like, who's, the the hell do com- I do? who's the common denominator here mike george yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't you blame george george and george is the only person that feels bad enough to stick around he's like you know what this guy keeps getting heartbroken i'm not gonna do that to him anymore he's a good friend george is a good friend dude george is the best and like people say that but it's like like i don't know i got a chance to meet him and i've you know i've gotten to know him over the last couple of years and george is a guy that like i'm saying it to him right here like he's such a great dude such a humble guy and I'm glad he stayed by my side because honestly, if it wasn't for George, I think I would have stopped podcasting right now. As much as I love talking, love the sound of my own voice. Wait, I wait, honestly, you, there was you it love was talking. Idea, who'd have thought? <laughs> um, there was a point where I considered quitting the podcast, and George is what pushed me through that. And now we're still doing it. We just cut cut it down a little bit once a week. Usually, try to do twice a week as we get closer to the season. But it's kind of it's become George and I thing. And then we have Zach, of course, and Zach's like hit or miss if he's ever on. But we do love our <laughs> we do love our guy Zach too. Yeah. <laughs> and George is doing this. This is uh right now it's about 2 p.m. on the East Coast, but George is the only one out of this this Quinn or quartet, I should say, that's on the West Coast. So a little morning podcast for our boy George here on a Sunday. Yeah, morning. I'm still drinking my coffee here. <laughs> he <laughs> rolled out of not even made. <laughs> <laughs> we we can see it in the background for what it's worth, everyone listening. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my it's, I'm in I'm in my son's room right now because we we have um my fiance has someone over. She's a hairstylist, so she's she's working right now. So that Spider Man and that baby uh, baby Yoda. That's uh, yeah, <laughs> those are yours. <laughs> yeah, don't lie, George. We all know that's your Spider Man and, and your baby Yoda stuffed and, animal. We all know and it. your twin size bed for the two of you and your fiance. Oh, jeez. All right. Before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping, you can find all of us on Twitter. George is at Roto underscore Nino, N-I-N-O. Mike is at Mike underscore Curlin. A lot of underscores here. Uh, Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast or the Base Loader podcast, please rate and review. Those mean a lot. 
Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both Chris and I. And of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our 2022 draft kit with a ton of fun content in there. Check out uh, Mike. You were in the SP streamer draft kit, which is out. When is that? That's out soon, isn't it? Very, this week I, I i'm supposed to know this right i have no idea i wrote yeah, for come it on. I, I wrote for it uh I, I covered i did top 30 catchers first base second base third base and shortstop so i put a lot of work into it a lot of i, I did player blur for everybody all that but i couldn't tell you when it's out i know it's out soon he's taking pre-orders I'm that's about get, all i know i feel like it might be the 15th that's the number i'm kind of it's usually after mind. the Super Bowl. Usually yes. after the Super Bowl, so that makes sense. We'll go with the fifteenth, which is a little <laughs> over a week from now. So, uh, Michael, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure he will. Um, <laughs> but as we said, we're going to do our outfield preview today, and we're not going to be able to talk like a ton of players because outfield is so deep. We can't talk everybody, but we'll have a lot of good player discussion, some strategy, and a lot of other fun talking here. Um, but let's start right with some strategy here and just uh, general position overview. Uh, George, when you look at the 2022 outfield player pool, how are you, you know, first off, do you like, you know, what are your thoughts of this year's crop of outfielders and how are you approaching targeting outfield in your drafts? Yeah, I'm not so sure that it's as deep as, as uh, we're used to the, the position being. And uh, I, I mean, in the drafts that I've done so far, I mean, I've been drafting for months now just because I can't help myself. Um you know, you, you'll notice that it kind of dries up, like, you know, in the late 200s or so, at least with like, you know, full time guys that, that you could depend on for like plate appearances. So, I mean, typically in years past, it outfield's been a position where like maybe you don't really want to hit on too early. But uh, no, this year, I, I actually I don't mind. I, I don't mind filling in two, three outfield spots um, early on just because you'll notice the the depth just at least from what I've seen, just isn't isn't there um, as much as it's used to to be in there. Yeah, it's kind of what I've been thinking too. I, I like to try to get you know, obviously it kind of it's hard depending on how the draft board falls. But my goal is to have you know, but by the time we get into the triple digits of picks, like pick hundred plus, I want to at least have two outfielders. Like in our uh, staff mock draft, I waited a bit long, um, and my first outfielder was. Um, not Christian Yelich, but I I waited too long on outfielders. Now I have a Christian Yelich as my outfield too. So yeah, it definitely does uh, get dry up a little bit quicker. So I do like to get a couple studs early on. Mike, how about you? Yeah, I've realized I enjoy getting at least one to two of 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 outfielders relatively early as well because I was just looking too. Not, as of right now, again, as of January ADP and NPC, um. Out of the top 50 outfielders going, nine of which are dual eligible. So there's a chance that nine of those players aren't even in your outfield or in a outfield because guys like Ketel Marte could play second for you. Whit Merrifield is almost surely drafted as a second baseman over an outfielder, but that flexibility is nice. Tatis at the very top, shortstop outfield. You see the point is like, Chris Bryant, definitely third base, more likely than outfield. I think that that could lead teams to grabbing these players for other positions, thus making the pool even shallower. And that's just in the top 50. We're talking nine players that could play different positions that people might be grabbing them for. So you have to keep that in mind as draft goes, because those aren't the only guys, because then you have Enrique Hernandez, Josh Rojas, Garrett Hampson, those types as you get into the later into the pool that also can be utilized elsewhere. So although outfield might seem deep players, you expect to be there for your outfielders towards the end might not be there because people are grabbing them for other positions, especially in deeper formats. Yeah, that's a great point. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think also you look at the the big difference in a 15-team, five outfielder versus a 12-team, three outfielder, 
and the, the depth just changes dramatically. And I, I think that's something important to point out when you when you go and you look at starting just 36 outfielders versus 75 in a, a 15 team, you know, five outfield format. That that really changes the script. And so you look and for reference, the, the 36 outfielder off the board uh, in draft champions right now is Kyle Schwarber at pick 135. And that's since uh, a January 1st. So a big difference there when you go 75 deep, you're getting much deeper into the pool at Ramiel Tapia at 272. So like you mentioned, some of the multi-position guys really <laughs> cut down on the pool some. So you you honestly want to get it early. I mean, yeah, there's some intriguing guys going late that you can take stabs on, but I'd prefer just to stack it early on and, and feel comfortable. I mean, you can wait in a 12 team, but in a 15 team, you know, I'm jumping on them early and I don't really want to wait much, much deeper than like, you know, the 60th overall outfit. I'm looking at like Sia Suzuki is, is 60 overall for outfielders. So, yeah, you know, I'd love to have my outfield filled out by then. Not always realistic, but sometimes uh, it works out better than others. I, I don't think Curlin's a big Tapia guy from the looks of his facial <laughs> expressions. <laughs> Connor Joe, baby. Connor Joe, yes. Am I, every time I hear Ramel Tapia's name, I think of, uh, uh, you ever seen the movie Bad Boys 2? Remember the, the drug kingpin's name is Johnny Tapia? The one that they're going, oh, the Will Smith yeah. and Martin Lawrence are going after in that movie. It seems Johnny Tapia. I don't know. I, I always just think of that whenever I hear <laughs> Raymond Tapia's name. I don't know cool. why. Nothing like mixing drugs and baseball. <laughs> this <laughs> podcast you invited me on today. Thanks, buddy. Is that, is that the sequel to Beer, Bourbon, and Baseball? <laughs> yeah. um, drugs, yeah. drug drugs, running, dingers, and baseball. Drugs, dingers, and baseball. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's get in some player talk here. Right at the top, as Chris mentioned, every all the ADP we're referencing today will be draft champion ADP from uh, January first on. It's been 52 drafts there, so a good range of ADP here. And right at the top, you get the dual eligible Tatis. He's going at pick 2.5. Then Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, Kyle Tucker, Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, Luis Robert, Mike Trout, Starling Marte, and Cedric Mullins are the top 10 uh, outfielders right now in ADP. It's kind of like that cluster right in the back end, you know, back half of the first, early part of the second, where you got Harper, Tucker, Acuna, Betts, Robert, and Trout. Yeah, a lot of uh, interesting blend of players. There's some risk in there, obviously. Um, George, I'll go to you first here. You know, out of that cluster, if you're going to target an outfielder there, which one would you go after? Are you okay with taking Acuna there? Are you a little worried by him? Or are you out on Trout or you know Mookie Betts? So who, who's the guy you like in that range? Yeah, so I mean, the the guy if I'm picking like in the back end of the first. Um, the guy I've gravitated to, I have a couple shares of uh, Luis Robert. I mean, I, the wild card here is Ronald Acuna, right? I mean, it, it he's the biggest wild card, and and we're seeing those videos come out, right? Like it seems like every other day now, and with with each one, I'm not gonna lie, like the FOMO grows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just you know the uncertainty there. Um, I, I haven't found myself with with much Acuna yet, but so I mean the guy I've I've kind of gravitated towards is, is Luis Robert just because I mean the skills there that he's shown. I mean last year I know it was only uh, 296 plate appearances, but really cut that strikeout rate down, and and he's in that really good lineup. You know he's got the power speed. He like if any if he's gonna if anyone here is gonna make that jump to um, you know maybe next year's top five top six, I think it could be. It could be Luis Robert. Um, with when it comes to like Betts and, and Trout, I think the concern for me is just the the speed, right? Just not sure how much speed you're going to get from them at this point. Um, 
And so I just think that that uh, Robert kind of has that ceiling there where, you know, we could be looking at him as like top five, type, top six next year. Uh, I, I 100% agree there. I love Luis Robert. So you're you're a believer in the, you know, those improvements he showed last year. Like you said, it was kind of a smaller sample size, but dra- we're not talking about like, you know, marginal improvements. We're talking drastic improvements to the K rate, the whiff rate, contact rates all went up. So you're a believer in what you saw last year from Robert then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I, I I think I am too. Mostly, I I am a little worried that the ADP is a bit high. I thought there'd be, I thought he'd be like maybe in the, the low twenties. I didn't think he'd be up in like the mid teens as he is now. But yeah, definitely. If there's one player that could jump up into that top five, yeah, he definitely has that upside. Mike, who who are you liking in this ranger? I tend to go to the same direction, and a lot of it does go back to speed being so valuable. Again, in the formats we're playing in, I would possibly take a chance on Acuna over Robert in a shallower format. Uh, Betts has declining speed. Injury issues have been cropping, uh, popping up here and there. Trout, we know he's still the amazing hitter he is, but we don't think he's running. So again, this goes back to format dependent and targeting speed early in the draft set, especially the ones George and I are playing right now, which are these 15-teamers. And we know Robert should be healthy. We know he should run. We saw great improvements in his game, although he didn't walk much. So it was a lot of it was based on how aggressive he was at the plate as well. So it's one of those things that it, it, he's probably gonna be streaky, but Robert's a guy that, you know, he's gonna play every day and you know, the stats should be there at the end of the year. It just might be some ups and downs in the road. So Robert's a guy I tend to land on over these guys. However, uh, Acuna is a guy that I would be willing to take over him again in shallower formats, three outfielder leagues, uh, 12 team, because people play in all types of formats. So um, right. I'm not against taking a shot on Acuna over him but that's kind of like the only two i'm considering there right now with trout i'm I'm intrigued by trout's price i mean i'm sure we all are it's hard to pass on him but we've all also been in these drafts where heck trout fell to you in the 20s there's that's a no-brainer to me right in our in our draft that's a no-brainer but um i have a hard time taking him over robert and acuna and that's kind of like that's the decision you have to make and that's why i'm like and everyone's like oh it's mike trout yes we know it's mike trout but he hasn't played what more than 130 something like five games in like four years or something like that. It's and it's just constant issues with him and his health. And you know the running's probably done. But it's all about it's all about uh, what what format you play in. Because Trout could still be he's still first rounder in OBP leagues. He's still first rounder in the, in OPS like six by six with OPS. Trout's still elite in these skills. It's just you gotta know what you're getting in terms of stolen bases, which is likely little, and playing time could be hindered. He's just showing he's just shown that health hasn't been a strength. So I have concerns about a lot of guys in this area, but that's what's been I think that's what's been leading me to Robert even more. I have all these question marks and Robert has the least amount, even though there is stuff there to be kind of, you know, like you mentioned he's he can be kind of risky. So that's why it's like I feel like he's the lesser of all these evils at this point. But I do always want to leave the draft at least one of these guys. I do think it's a good spot to grab one if you're drafting at the back end of the first. Well, absolutely. I totally agree there. Like all four of these guys, Acuna, Betts, Robert, and Terrell, like they all have the skills to finish well above their ADP. They all could be top five players. Everything breaks right. But then obviously they all have question marks like we talked about, whether it's health, you know, some declining speed, you know, not as long of a track record with Luis Robert. So, but the, I think that the, like, I think George mentioned it with the, the fear of missing out on Acuna. Like when you get like pick 11, 12, 13, if you're in that range, and you got Ronald Acuna sitting there, and you see all these videos of him doing the agility drills, hitting in the cage, and like, all right, you know, maybe he's ready for opening day. <laughs> Everything seems like he's on track for opening day, and you're like, 
and the fear of missing out on Acuna. If I pass on him here to get whoever it might be, whether it's a pitcher or, or third Rafael Devers, whoever it might be, and then Acuna's healthy, puts up like a 45, 26 season, and he's a top three player again. Yeah, that that would suck to miss out on that. So there's a lot of uh, FOMO going on in this range for sure. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I kind of echo all that. I think there's a lot of good targets. All of them have different risk. And I don't know. I, I love Acuna personally. No bias as a Braves fan, but I just think he's going to be back and ready. And that's always kind of been the timeline. I think people are I think people are still stuck on when he was talking to Alex Bregman in the World Series during BP. And he said that Bregman asked when he'd be back. He said May. And, you know, obviously that was in October. Like things changed. But you look at the right. timeline from the surgery and it would put him right at the beginning of the season. And you look and everything you see, he looks completely healthy. And, you know, you're always going to have your people on Twitter just blast you and say, oh, he's not, he's not, you're stupid to draft him, but, you know, whatever. And actually, you know, people that come back from torn ACLs from surgery are actually stronger. And that's a proven fact. So, you know, how much he steals bases, I don't know, but I think he's going to be just as fast, if not faster coming back. You know, maybe not immediately, but I still think he runs. I think he's going to have plenty of power and he's proven that he can be the best fantasy player in the game. And so, you know, his, he's going to pick 13 right now since January 1st in draft champions. So the price is going to soar up if he plays in spring training. But, you know, I, you, you got to get him now if you want him at a reasonable price. Because if he's playing spring training, he's going to vault to the top three. No question in my mind that that happens. So if you want a shot on him, I, I still like Trout. I think that – here's my thing with Trout. His sprint speed's still elite, and I know that sprint speed is irrelevant with stealing bases. But look at Paul Goldschmidt, who we thought was done running. He came back and stole 12 last year. So I think Trout could still ten if he if he wants yeah. to if he's healthy and wants to I don't see why he couldn't and so we know he's you know elite bat he's going to hit for average he's going to hit for power if he even if he steals seven ten bags I think it's pretty valuable but I understand wanting to get more steals there so you know it's it's more risky to bank on that when he hasn't so I, I prefer getting steals but I'm not opposed to either of those guys there while they have some risk per se yeah there's not really any any. Buddy here that I am like 100% out on. I think, you know, I'm maybe if I had to pick one that I'm more out on, it's probably Mookie Betts. Like we've seen like the smaller frame guys. It just hasn't, you know, Altuve, yeah, he came back last year, had, had a better season, but Altuve doesn't run that much anymore. So you got to wonder so with, with Betts's, you know, he's had multiple hip injuries. So you got to wonder if his days of, you know, approaching 20 steals are done. Maybe he's just more of a 10 to 15 steal guy, which is still great. It still adds value, but. And I'm not saying he's going to fall off the cliff or anything anytime soon, but he's the one I guess I'm the least likely to go after. But yeah, if one of these guys falls to me, especially like into the early part of the second round, late teens, like like Mike, you mentioned in the Battle of the Pods, got Mike Trout at pick 21, 22, whatever it was, something like that. I will definitely take a shot on that. Because I do think Mike Trout, like he was on, you know, yeah, it was only 30 whatever games, but he was on pace at one of his best seasons at the plate ever, like last year. So he's definitely not done. I think he, if he wants to go out there and steal 10 to 15, he definitely could. I'm not going to put that past him. He's Mike Trout. Nothing will surprise me with Mike Trout. Um, speaking of speed here, like obviously we all like to get speed early. That's been a focus, you know, for the last several years, especially now getting speed early is really a focus. And this is a position where you can do that at, you know, you talked about, you know, Tucker can give you a 15 to 20 Acuna, potentially 20 plus bets, Robert, 15 to 20, let's say. Then you get guys, you know, going a little bit later, you know, another round or so later. Marte was, can give you 40 plus. Um, Cedric Mullins went 30 30 last year. Whit Merrifield can give you 35 to 40 steals. So there's a lot of speed in this, the first couple of rounds. So, uh, Mike, is this an area where you try to get a lot of your speed? Is like that, you know, first, second, third rounds that a focus of yours this year? 
Oh, yeah. It's almost always a focus of mine, especially because I like to still try to get an ace in the top three rounds. So I tend to try to get five category production out of my hitter, or at least four, but with one of the four being strong stone bases. And I say four because guys like Mullins, Merrifield, and uh, Marte, those guys most likely leading off or hitting second. So the RBI opportunities aren't really there, especially yeah. for a guy like Mullins on that team. So RBI, you can't really bank on RBI. So I say four, but it's with stolen bases being one of the main draws. However, um, or in, in heck, in, in what Merrifield's case, he's not much of a power guy either. So it's like you could argue three and a half, depending on how the RBIs fall out for him. But regardless, uh, yes, that's <laughs> a long winded way of saying, yeah, give me the stolen bases in the first couple of rounds because I feel like at this point, the quality of stolen bases after the first three or so rounds completely fall off or you're taking a chance on your boy Mondesi there, Eric. Oh, yeah, my boy. Me, me and Mondesi <laughs> are tight. Son. We didn't trash him for like the whole like for like a whole five minutes prior to recording or nothing. I know. I should have hit record then, just like a whole like <laughs> bonus episode of us just trashing Mondesi. We can still short- do it afterwards. I'm, I'm, I'd never get enough trashing Mondesi talk. <laughs> I, I could do a whole podcast trashing Mondesi. Like I even limited myself when like, we were doing, you know, shortstop preview I'm, or third base because he's eligible third base NFBC. I'm like, no, let's not talk about Mondesi for a long time because I could go on for an entire podcast <laughs> about trashing Mondesi. We all one know that se- one season of a weekly Mon- Mon- Mondesi podcast. I should just do a Mondesi podcast in general every week. Just yes. talk about how bad he is. It would oh, it would be it would guy. be a big hit. <laughs> I feel so bad because like, <laughs> it's like it's his job is to be a baseball player. But we were like, yeah, he's just trash. Like, oh, sorry, Mondesi, if you're listening, I don't think you are. But if you are, sorry, buddy. Meanwhile, he, by the time he runs around the entire base path, I'd be at, like rounding second, maybe. So yeah, huh. the, the guy the guy is fast. <laughs> I would be standing on first winded. <laughs> get, get the first base call. It, yeah, we're done. Uh, like like Babe Ruth. Like all right, run for me. Like <laughs> yeah, designated designated runner. Yeah, uh, George. How about you? Are you look are you looking to target guys? You know, like the Martes and and those types that are the big speed. Are you trying to more so get two speed guys? Like might give you twenty. How's your uh, how's your speed approach early on in drafts? Yeah, I, I I typically like to go that route where you're getting a little bit more balance. Um, now, you know, there's a lot of different ways that um, to build out a roster. And, you know, if you do take a guy like um, like uh, Merrifield or uh, Marte, usually like in the middle to the back end of like the second round, uh, you just have to have that. Uh, you just have to be mindful that that you need to supplement, you know, power and, and, and RBIs probably later on in, in draft. But uh, yeah, you, you'll see just like, you know, the first three, four rounds, uh, that's where a lot, all the speed is going. Um, now there are some guys later on, but yeah, it, they're, they're not like, you know, that your five category contributors. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways to build out your stats and, and construct your rosters. But yeah, the, these, these first like three, four rounds is that that's where you're getting these, these good like power speed guys. So, like someone like Marte and, and uh, Maryfield, yeah, I don't, I'm not opposed to uh, where they're going. Just like I said, you, you just have to be mindful that where, where you have to supplement. Yeah, for sure. Chris, what are your thoughts? No, I, I agree. I think that it's very important to hit on the steals early. Um, if you don't, you, you just look at the breakdown by round and you're going to miss out. You can go, I mean, you're just going to have to find a different way to build and you're going to end up with crappy players that only provide steals. And that's not really what I want on my teams. Like, I, I don't want to go bargain shopping for a guy who's going to give me zero home runs, you know, 40 RBI and maybe 20 steals. Those kind of players get out of the lineup quick. So, yeah, I, 
you, you got to get it early, I think, and that's so important so you can avoid those potential landmines. So you look and you just get the combo players at the top, and that's that's really important. I, I think did Fish coin the aces and bases strategy? So I think that's a good that's a good word for it. That that's is, exactly that what you need. Great. Yeah. So basically, you, you don't want to be stuck trying to like having to go after Nicky Lopez and the pick three hundred range is what you're saying there. He's going like a pick two hundreds, but yeah, even even more reason to avoid oh. him. Oh. <laughs> That's no, ew. I don't want Nikki Lopez. Exactly. At all. Yeah. That's what I think we said that on our shortstop podcast last week. I was like, don't draft him. Yeah. D- w- whether you want to get a couple of big steel guys or go with a more balanced approach, get a lot of like 15 to 20 steel guys. Yeah. Don't put yourself in a position where you have to chase speed late because that's when you really hurt yourself. And especially like in the power categories, you get guys like Nikki Lopez that don't give you any power or run production. So yeah, don't do that. That's just not advised whatsoever. What do you want, Mike? I have a question. I put my okay. hand up for those who listen. He didn't put his hand up. up. I saw it. Yeah. What do you, what do you want, Mike? What you got? Uh, <laughs> serious question. Would you prefer, and you have to pick here. Would you prefer building a team where you took Mondesi early or having to settle for Lopez late? Again, I agree. I do not like to draft either. However, I'm making you pick right now, Eric. Does it have to be? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I didn't give, I didn't give you an option. Like, I told I you Mondesi early or Lopez late. Can I, can I substitute Lopez for like Garrett Hampson? <laughs> no, and you got to stop the Garrett Hampson love this year. Oh, me, me, me and Hampson are on a break. Like we're we're still on speaking terms, but we're on a break. Because you realize he is a projected starter, but they've already been linked to Schwarber and other players that are going to likely block him again. Although even in a limited role, he can still produce that those stolen bases. So I get it. However, I'm getting. Let's get back to this question. Pick one. You have to pick. But which evil do you prefer to build around? Um, <laughs> I'm. A, um, I just like to I, give I you. I hate you. I hate you, Mike. Um, <laughs> feelings I, mutual, pal. I guess. I guess Lopez. I just don't want any part to do with Mondesi. I just don't like. I, I think Lopez you, is the smart. Look at the guy. price, like Lopez in the two yeah. hundreds and Mondesi around what fifty to sixty or so on average. That's like fifteen teamer. That's you know either your you know, fourth or fifth player, fifth player at, at the highest. So yeah, I don't want, I don't want my first five players being one of the top three risk guys in the game. Like it's either him. Who's the biggest risk guy right now, him Buxton or what DeGrom probably. Like, I don't want, I don't want risk like that. In my first five picks. No, thanks. So thanks for making me answer that question. I'm still not taking Mondesi there. I, I will go Nikki Lopez. <laughs> I thought there was a chance. If there was ever a chance, it was going to be right there. I thought about it. it <laughs> uh, I had to really think on that one. But yeah, no, give, give me Lopez, I guess. But again, not <laughs> not ideal on either <laughs> on either end of the spectrum there. Uh, all right, a couple of guys here, a little bit uh, past these guys in ADP. Uh, Cedric Mullins and Tyler O'Neill, two big breakouts from this past season. Mullins went 30-30, O'Neal went over 30-15, and 15. both ended up as, you know, Mullins was a top 10 player overall last year, O'Neal was, I think, like top 30 or so, both going into the top 50 overall right now. Chris, which, uh, are you buying or selling M- Mullins and O'Neal here? And if you had to pick one, which one are you more confident in for 2022? Um, yeah, I'm selling Mullins. I think just the price is a little too high for me, and I think he can be solid, but I'm not expecting him to return 30th overall ADP value. I'd rather bank on O'Neal going 15 picks later, even though there, there's probably a little more volatility in O'Neal's profile, but I, I, the power is more bankable and we know that for certain. I mean, I don't expect Mullins to hit near 30 home runs again. I think he probably is a low 20s type guy. 
he can steal certainly. And I think the bag average regresses. Both these guys are, are bag average regression guys, in my opinion. Yeah. But I think the the power speed upside is just much more there with O'Neill. And so I'm willing to bank on that. I mean, O'Neill made some some tangible strides last year, though I will say the story coming out of, uh, about Mullins playing through last season with Crohn's disease is pretty impressive for what he did. So major props to him there. But yeah, I, I'd rather have O'Neill with the price. I'm not sure I'll end up with a lot of either, but I'll take O'Neill. Yeah, I definitely prefer O'Neill. Yeah, he's gonna be streaky with that approach. Yeah, thirty-one point three percent K rate, careers thirty-two point five. So that's always gonna have some peaks and valleys. But end of the season, you know, like, the skills are there, the power's there. You know, the quality of contact metrics were off the charts last year. 17.9% barrel rate, 93 mile an hour average exit velo, 52.2 hard hit rate. Like this guy just crushes the baseball. You look at him, he's absolutely jacked. Like I said before, you know, if I if there was like a Royal Rumble of baseball players, I'd probably pick Tyler O'Neill to win over guys like Stanton and Judge. I would take O'Neill every day. And he had a, you know, he's a great athlete. Sprint speed was 98th percentile. So yeah, I definitely think he can do 30-15 again, maybe a little bit lower average. More maybe closer to that 260 career average he's at than 286. Um, but yeah, I definitely would go him over Mullins though. Mullins, you know, I think the power will drop down, maybe a little bit of average, but I think the speed was legit. I think he'd be another 25 to 30 steel guy. These the left field fences moving won't affect him because he hit all of his home runs to center or right last year. So that that part won't affect him, even though I am factoring in a, a power drop here, maybe down to closer to 20 home runs to 30, but yeah, definitely. If I had to pick here, I'm more in on O'Neill at these prices. Mike, how about you? See, I differ. And it's a lot of it is Mullins. The production with Mullins that came was with a tangible change, how he stopped switch hitting. And we saw him stop switch hitting. We saw, and the approach has always been decent to a like, pretty sound approach. The plate discipline for me is always going to be a heavy, something I weigh heavily in my, in my player analysis. And he sub 20% K rate above average uh, contact rates, pretty much every year in the majors um, almost like, I think it was just under 90% Z contact this year. And he's able to make a lot of contact has plus speed and leads off. I like all that put together. And there's no reason to think that Mullins won't continually lead off. So the plate appearances will compile. I think the floor is very safe here where we just mentioned how O'Neill, the floor is less safe, but I think the ceiling is higher. So it really is a matter of balancing um, preference at that point. I think, and again, I know O'Neill is, uh, around or two, around around and a half cheaper, so I do understand that as well. But I still, prefer, I just enjoy, I enjoy feeling like I know what I'm getting out of Mullins, and I don't think I think last year was the ceiling. I agree. I think he's closer to 2020 than he is at 30 30, but that's 2020 with 90 runs, closer to two, 275 at least. I'd say 275 280 batting average, assuming that the plate approach sticks. I know the second half he has, I think he had some bad Babbitt look in the second half though, which caused the batting average to kind of hit this lull. But overall, I'm expecting closer to a 270 hitter, 2020, 90 plus runs, and RBIs will be an issue. But I think it's easier to come around on RBIs and power. And while building up that good batting average floor and all the other stuff early gives him a little edge for me, I'm, I'm willing to take him at his ADP right now. Mullins, that is. Okay. Oh, O'Neill. Yeah. I'm not really out on O'Neill. O'Neill, actually, going back to Clegg being a Braves fan, there's a lot of similarities in terms of O'Neill being an elite line drive guy and a really big, like, great barrel skills like Riley. Yeah. And I think, and that's a big arguing point for O'Neill, which, again, O'Neill's approach scares the crap out of me, but a guy who hits a ton of line drives and hits um hits and barrels the like, really good quality like you mentioned eric that's the type of skill set that can over achieve so to speak those batting average possible like woes even with the k yeah. rate so 
I do, but yes, ultimately, again, I'm just rambling at this point. I do, I'm really good at that. However, <laughs> at the end of the day, give me the high floor with the high base skill set in terms of play discipline for Mullins is what I'm getting at. I think I like preferring, I prefer to build with safety early. That's fair. George, how about you? Are you in or out on these two players? Uh, so I'm, I, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with Mike here uh, with uh, Mullins. <laughs> I, uh, smart man. Not that I'm, <laughs> not that I'm out on on O'Neal. I just think there's a little more like kind of a bottoming out potential here. Just that that plate discipline does kind of worry me a bit. If we are expecting that that batting average to, to come down, you know, with that strikeout rate um, doesn't walk a whole lot, then I'm not too sure that we can count on him being on base enough to repeat, you know, 15 steals. I'm thinking more like, you know, maybe a dozen steals um, probably won't score as many runs if he's not on base. Um as much either i mean i think you know powers is pretty safe in in that profile we know he has a ton of it but i'm not so sure he's gonna give me all that much um that i can't find elsewhere and and i think with mullins it's just about yeah that that floor i think that safety mike mentioned you know the the uh strikeout rate sub 20 percent uh you know he did hit the ball harder last year if he's continues with uh you know, a decent barrel rate, 8% barrel rate, 39% hard hit rate um, with as much as he puts the ball in play and plays to that park with uh, as much as he pulls his home runs there. I think, yeah, I think low twenties. And uh, if you're looking at low twenties homers, low 20 steals and a decent batting average, I think uh, you can't really, he won't really be hurting you there. No, totally agree. Uh, Mullins definitely does have the higher floor for sure. Uh, All right, moving on to the rest of the top 100 ADP here before we hit the break. Uh, So after Mullins at the 10th outfielder off the board, you got Whit Merrifield, Jordan Alvarez, love Jordan. I think he could take a a Vlad Jr. jump this year. T. Oscar Hernandez, Aaron Judge, Tyler O'Neill, who is at pick 47. Randy Arozarena, Byron Buxton, Aloy Jimenez, Nick Castellanos, George Springer, Tommy Edmond, dual eligibility with second. Cuddle Marte, dual eligibility with second as well. Brian Reynolds, Dalton Varsho, and J.D. Martinez are all within the top 100, and that is 25 outfielders here. Uh, so let's go, let's go around the board here. Uh, I'll start. I'll start with you, George. Who is uh, out of the guys we haven't really talked about yet? So guys like you know later on the, in the top 100 here. Who is just a great value for you that you've been targeting this year in your drafts? Yeah, I man, I. I love Brian Reynolds. I love Brian Reynolds where he's going, um, you know, in the, in the nineties there. I, I mean, I'd be willing to probably take him, you know, even 30 picks uh, ahead of this. I mean, I think he's going to end up being a really good value. Uh, He's probably as safe as anyone to hit for a 300 average again. I mean, he's, that's all he's done in his professional career is hit for 300, you know, 2020 aside, we know how abysmal 2020 was, but if we can, uh, you know, just, throw 2020 away as bad as, as it was for, for everyone. I mean, I think, um, yeah, that he's just that batting average. And I, I think, you know, he, he cut that strikeout rate down to under 20%. Now the plate discipline's really good. 11.6% walk rate, um, you know, hit, hits the ball hard, pretty consistent now with that 10% barrel rate with, you know, he, he keeps putting the ball in play um, and, and striking out under 20% with a 10% barrel rate. I think there's 25 to maybe even 30 home run potential in that bat uh, with that good batting average. And he's going to chip in a few steals. So I, I really love Brian Reynolds where he's going. I think he's a really good value. And I mean, Hey, he's kind of been a center of some trade rumors. So, I mean, if he's, if he finds himself in a better ballpark in a better situation, I think um, he'll, he could definitely skyrocket. Uh, 
Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I wrote uh, when I wrote up some uh, ADP top 100 values the other day on Fantrax, I wrote up a Brian Reynolds because I 100% agree with everything you said there. I'm throwing out 2020. I am for most players, uh, especially uh, young guys that are trying to get their footing. Like that would have been his uh, second full year. So he's hit over 300 everywhere. Like you mentioned, I'm not going to you know repeat everything you said, but yeah, definitely in on Brian Reynolds. And I think that Pittsburgh lineup, at least that top half, is going to be better this year. You know, as, if that's where he stays, like can Brian Hayes take a step forward? O'Neill Cruz will enter the fray. So it could be not terrible, let's say. And, and he even went over 90 and 90 runs in RBIs last year in a bad lineup. So definitely could think he could uh, replicate that here in 2022. Mike, who, who do you like here for a value in the top 100? I think it's going to be, <laughs> it's just going to be the same guy. I'm not going to give all like George did it. He already, I'm just going to echo his sentiments. And I think it has to be Brian Reynolds. How much more does he have to do to be the safest, most secure option at, at this range? And you're talking about a guy that you mentioned, okay, if you want O'Neill, you want to pair him perfectly with somebody. Reynolds is the guy like he takes, he gives you that floor that O'Neill doesn't. And if you want to take an O'Neill and you pair him with a Reynolds, you get two outfielders early, which we've all kind of recommended. And you get that, that ceiling and floor paired together. So it takes away some of those concerns with O'Neill. Boom, done, nailed it. You have yourself a great uh, floor between the two of them. Or in general, if you take anybody risky early on, Brian Reynolds is a perfect guy. He's, he's what I would call a roster stabilizer. He's, He's just safe, solid. You set him, forget him, and move on. That's that, what. What more do you want from a guy? Yeah, especially on bases. Yeah, especially especially if you've gotten if you're if you feel good with your team steals wise up to that point in the draft. So you're talking like what? This would be like sixth or seventh round when you're looking at Brian Reynolds. So yeah, if you got some good speed already and you can afford just to go with a good four category guy that won't get you much speed. Yeah, I love Brian Reynolds this year. Chris, how about you? Who do you like in this range? Yeah, you know, I love Reynolds too. I'll pose a question. What's the difference between him and Wander Franco? It's Ooh, exactly. about, about 50 picks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, that's it. Here's exactly. here's the difference. Prospect pedigree, and yeah. that's it. And that means nothing mm-hmm. in fantasy. I get now, different positions, but Wander Wander could steal double digit bases, which is the big Maybe. Yeah, yeah, well, he has the speed to do it. Doesn't mean he's good at stealing bases. We no, the, the big thing about him is he's terrible. Yeah, his, his success rate has been terrible all through the minors, and they gave him the red light even after having two early stolen bases when he came up last year. It was weird. He was yeah. two for two like the first week of, the, of his call up, and then tr- attempted one the rest of the year where he was unsuccessful. I can't. You can't say that that's going to necessarily translate. Obviously, for Franco, for, for, for Franco, sorry, but um, it's uh. I, I, yeah, I get it. Like the comp is real because other than some base potential, you're still looking at Reynolds probably hitting more home runs, hitting for a similar batting mm-hmm. average. Um, worse lineup, I guess sure. that would be the other argument. But again, that's baked into the price difference. I get what you're saying though. The floor skill set is very similar. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm rambling on again. Yeah, I'm really nah. good at that, guys. But, <laughs> but yeah, like actually, those things. It's it's a good comp. Brian Reynolds well. actually has a higher sprint speed than Wander. So that's funny. It, I didn't it, know it that. all comes down to, and it, it, that shows how pointless it is with stolen bases. But it's just the will to steal bases, and will the team let him run? So it's not to say I, I wouldn't be surprised if Reynolds steals more. I know the projections have Wander eight to ten, Reynolds about five, but. I'm not surprised when Reynolds steals more. I'd probably is that really give that Wander- big of a difference either? Like three, three to five steals is that really no. that big of a difference? No, and you know, give give Wander the edge in you know maybe batting average a hair, runs a hair, but I think they're very similar players. So yeah, that's interesting. I'll you just have to dip- be careful though. You remember, you guys are the prospect guys. You're you're comping <laughs> Wander Franco to Brian Reynolds. Let's just let's just make that clear. 
Clegg and Cross are saying Wander Franco is Brian Reynolds, guys. Everyone listening, that is what they're saying. Being hey. realistic. Brian, Brian, <laughs> last year, Brian Reynolds, <laughs> 302, yes. 302, 24, 90, 93, and 5. If, Reynolds, if Wander's that'd be a success for him. Yeah, I agree. Reynolds yeah. is highly underrated. He's not getting I know. Runs. I'm giving you guys it's mostly he, a hard time because he's on Pittsburgh. Like, Pittsburgh is always underrated. <laughs> Nobody like you can't yeah. call you can't call Wander Franco anything short of like Tatis and yeah. get and without getting yelled at. Yeah, no one. I, I think everyone here. Can, yeah, every, everyone here can tell, and we'll talk. This is going to be a little Wander rant, I guess. Everybody here is going to agree that Wander's long term outlook, zero concerns. I think there's a next level, but realistic for 2022, people are getting upset with me constantly fading him on Twitter because they think I'm fading him long term, and it's not the case at all. I think he's fantastic. I think Xander Bogart's comps are fair for him. Yeah. But yeah. I just don't see it happening in 2022 because people are like, well, he's turning 20 or 21. I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. He's still growing. He's still right. growing into his frame and everything else. He's still, you can't project that type of growth. Like it took what? It took Vlad, who's arguably one of the best hitters ever in the minor leagues, a couple seasons to really get it going. Yeah. Yep. There's a chance that it takes Wander, even though Wander might have the better hit tool, it's going to take him. Because you know how the you know better than anybody, guys, that as a player grows into their frame, as a player puts on muscle, it changes mechanics, it changes a lot of things about player. Yep. So there's an adjustment period there. Wander could probably skip out on having those issues, but I do think again, I think we might be a year or two early before we get the full on breakout. And people are like, "What do you mean?" I actually got yelled at because they're like, "What do you mean he broke out last year?" I'm like, "To a degree." Look at the stat for like he, a, mo- a month and a half. It wasn't like a full. But it was breakout. it was it was the breakout. Like people people were like, well, how much better do you want? I'm like, I'm looking. At, I'm not talking about the great counting stats in terms of runs and RBI and the the hit tool. I'm talking about the the flashy stats we need for fantasy because right. Wander in real life is fantastic. Sure. But I just feel bad. I feel like I I feel like I get attacked every time. So I'm I'm really I feel strong about this. I get attacked so much when it comes to Wander on Twitter, and it's because I'm just not in on him for 2022. That's all it is. Long term, no issues. I want to put that out there. But it's 2022. I'm just not in at the price. Yeah, but that, that's that's the thing with Twitter. You know that. Like, if you don't, if you're not giving a glowing review of these buzzy names, and oh, Mike, why do you hate Wander Franco? Like, yeah, get it all the time. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. You definitely do. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chris, did you have another? Were you good? Yeah, are you reckoning Reynolds. You have another? Yeah, guy? I love Reynolds, but I'll also take Eloy. I mean, he's going after pick 70, which I think is crazy. You know, he's he's been beat up a little bit, but you know, we saw a hitter in the minors that could hit 300 with. Big time power, so I think he's going to take a big step forward. And the price is too good to pass up. I think you don't get any speed, the downfall, but I think he can be a, a real four category contributor in, in a good White Sox lineup. So I like the price on Eloy. Yeah, that that late season kind of slump from you. Like he came back hitting really well for a couple of weeks, then really fell off the table, and that really you know affected his ADP this year for sure. Uh, for me, I'm going to go JD Martinez. He's going right around pick 100, and yeah, he doesn't provide any speed, but he's another guy like Ryan Reynolds. That is just a really good, like like Mike said, kind of one of those roster stabilizers. Just get Homer, <laughs> yeah, give call, yeah, call me a home right down my pump for Red Sox. Um, even though, hey, even though in Chris Walsh's prospect one ADP mocks, I took no Red Sox prospects and took two Yankees prospects. So there, um, but yeah, JD Martinez is a very very good four category guy. Yeah, he's thirty four, but you know doesn't rely on speed at all. But he's one of the best pure hitters in the game and. Last year was more of the same, you know, 12.5% barrel rate, 92 one average exit below, 49.4 hard hit rate, you know, walk rating was down a little bit, but K rate was in line. So, you know, still went 28, 99, 92, 286 average. 
I can see him getting back, back up over 30, 100, 100 with a 280-plus average. That's just been what he is. He's been very consistent over the years. Had you know had a little bit of injuries the last couple of years, but still hasn't played less than 146 games uh, since 2017. So if you can get 145-plus games out of him, I think you can get a very good return on value there. Now let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and get into the rest of the ADP past pick 100. So don't go anywhere. following is an actor portrayal with kindly assisted living and memory care at asbury methodist village in montgomery county you can anticipate more but don't take our word for it my dad moved to kindly and loved it his apartment was spacious sunny and overlooked parkland it was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at kindly enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services too visit kindly at asbury.org today equal opportunity housing provider All right, welcome back from the break. We're getting into ADP 101 to 150 here, and two very intriguing guys in this range that we have to talk about at least a little bit here. Even if Mike doesn't want to, I'm making him talk about these guys. They're going right after pick 100 at pick 102 and 103 on average, right back-to-back, former National League MVPs, Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger. Uh, George, are you targeting either of these guys here? Um, are, are you just out at this point on both of them? Yeah, I have not found myself with any uh, of uh, Bellinger or Yelich yet this season. I, I don't know. I just haven't been able to pull the trigger there. Um, I mean, if I had to pick one, I think I would lean towards um, Bellinger. Uh, I mean, I, I think, I mean, if you look at 2020, right, I mean, under it seemed like a lot of that Dodger lineup underperformed and um a lot of it looks like it was Babbitt driven. You look at the underlying stuff, I mean you stay out of 280 um XBA 487X slug, uh the hard hit and barrel rates were kind of all in line, launching goals kind of all everything was kind of all in line with with what he had previously been doing. But then he has that shoulder injury in the um in the postseason and has uh surgery comes, you know, so I mean he didn't really come into the year fully healthy. Then he has that fractured leg. I think, you know, a, a lot of his struggles this season can be attributed to the injuries. Still just uh, 26 years old. You know, I, I think if either of these, if I'm going to bank on either of these guys to, to maybe have that bounce back potential, I think it would be Bellinger. And that, you know, this is the Giants fan taking Bellinger here. So. Um, yeah, <laughs> my, my favorite Bellinger stat is that Bellinger's WRC plus last year was lower than Garrett Hampson's. I love that. It was also <laughs> lower than Kevin Newman's, than Marwin Gonzalez, than Jake Bauer. Yeah, it was just a, a historically bad year for Bellinger last year, who slashed 165, 240, 302. Mike, who are you? I got to make you answer this question. You made me answer the other question. So who are you more in on here? If you had to pick one. At this eighty, you're on the clock. It's pick one hundred two, one hundred three, and I told you you got to pick one. Who is it? Bellinger or Yelich? I think I'm going to take Bellinger as well. I'm just going to bet on the fact that he's 26 years old. We've seen him in his prime. We know 2020, uh, 2019, sorry, was unlikely to repeat. So, like, I think 
realistically, what we saw in 2017, 2018 is more likely to be who he is moving forward, which is a fantastic player for fantasy, especially. It's just, I mean, he he's, I think he almost tweaks with his, uh, his mechanics too much. He, he made another like adjustment going into the playoffs and it, it did work for him. He had an exceedingly high BABIP in the playoffs, but the and the power didn't show up, but at least he was hitting high heat, which has been an issue. And um, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> like I, I'm trying, I'm honestly more or less letting other people take these guys and hope I'm, I'm rooting for them. I really am. Cause I, I mean, I still love Christian Yelich. We know the ground ball rates. It's funny. Cause if you look at what the correlation here with Yelich is average launch angle has dipped two straight seasons. Ground ball rate has gone up two straight seasons and the production has fallen with it. It's, it obviously makes sense. It all goes hand in hand. Um, is the back an ongoing issue with him? And it has been, but maybe there's more to it with Yelich with the back. So there's, I think there's more questions with Yelich even more so than, Bellinger, because I think we know the shoulder is the issue. I think that's going to be fully uh, fixed. Plus, I think it was Eno on Rates and Barrels talking about how Bellinger, if you look at his like rolling graphs throughout the season, he everything was trending upward as the season went on, almost as if he got healthier as the season went on. I know, crazy. Who'd have thought? Um, coming <laughs> off, coming off injury and all that. So, um, I'm a little more optimistic of the uh, of Bell- with Bellinger of the two, but I think again, I'm more likely letting other people take the plunge this year. Yeah, I, I don't have any shares of either of these two guys yet, except for Yelich uh, in the ongoing mock draft that we're doing at, at Fantrax, but that's just the mock. So in, in actual leagues, I have no shares of either of these two guys yet. Uh, Chris, how about you? Are you in or out on either of these two guys here? Uh, I don't want to be in on either. I guess <laughs> I'd grab Bellinger if I had to. I'll kind of echo that. But I, with Yelich, I think the, the pinpoint problem is just the ground balls. But you look, and this is really who he's been his whole career. Like, He's had a couple seasons where he got the launch angle fixed, but this is just his who he was with the Marlins. So what's to say he just won't be that the rest of his career? Bellinger being younger, you know, we've seen what he can do. While I think that his MVP season was fluky because it was just two months of super, super eliteness, and then he was, you know, okay. I won't say okay. He was good the rest of the months of that the season they won MVP. But I, I don't know. I, I don't want either, but I'm willing to take a shot on Bellinger, I think, at, at the price. Yeah, I got to agree here. I th- I don't want either of these two guys. I don't think either are top 100 players anymore. You look at, you know, the last two years, since since they are both very, very good in 2019, finishing 1-2 in the MVP hunt in the National League, you know, Yellow just hit 205 and 248, and Bellinger's been even worse than that. You know, Bellinger, I still think there's still some good underlying metrics with Yellow. He's still hitting the ball fairly hard. It's just into the ground. Like, he's only had one year, no, excuse me, two years, with a launch angle above five degrees. Like it was five degrees exactly in 2018 and then 11.30 in 2019, 7.1 in 2020 back down to 2.8, which is kind of where it was, you know, earlier on back when in his uh, Marlins days, it was 2.7, 4.60. Um, so it definitely hurts him. He's just pounding everything into the ground because he's still hitting the ball hard. But as, as we mentioned, you hit it hard into the ground. That's not going to do you much good. So I guess I would, if I had to take one, I'd take Bellinger here though. He's just been terrible. Even his underlying metrics were atrocious last year. Yeah, I think the injury played a little bit into that, but you know, his struggles have gone back even before the injury. Like the back end of 2019 was also pretty bad for him too. So I'm not, you know, as in on people him bouncing back as most people are. So I'll take Bellinger here, but I don't want either one to be honest with you. I don't. I think we kind of all said the same exact thing in different ways there. Um, <laughs> the other really uh, intriguing guy uh, in this range is we, we, we got to talk about my boy, Jared Kalanick here. Uh, he's going, his ADP right now is pick 129 
on average, 34th outfielder on the board, uh, off the board, I should say, range of 105 for his men, 170 for his max. Uh, George, are you in or out on Jared Kellenick this year? Yeah, he's another one I just haven't found myself with with any shares of, and and I think it's just the the price here. I think um, there's just a bit of projection. You know, we're kind of hoping for him, you know, with that prospect pedigree to take that next step. And uh, I know he had a bit of a power spike in, in September, but I, I don't think I saw enough to really believe in um, that there's going to be significant growth uh, here. So, yeah, he's not someone that I've I've taken quite yet. At least not where he's going. Chris, how about you? Yeah, honestly, he's an easy avoid for me in redraft. It's not to say I don't like him for dynasty, but the price is just too high on you know, uncertainty when you look at other players on the board and there there is more certainty. And for me, it's just there's too much risk here. I do think that – and the problem is that we expect every prospect to come up and just be elite right off the bat – that wasn't the case with him last year, and and prospect growth isn't linear. Like it's it's not to say like he's guaranteed to improve this year. He's going to be better. Yes, he made some tweaks. He made some strides in September, but it still was not enough for me to say that he this pick warrants me taking him here as the thirty fourth outfielder off the board. Like I, I just can't do that personally. And yeah, I think I think we'll see Kelnick be a great player long term. I think he's going to figure it out. But you know, it, it's kind of like the Vlad case last year. Like I, I just can't really get on board yet. And if I miss out, I miss out. That, that's fair, and I, I do agree that the price might be a bit high. Obviously, I, I'm the Jared Koenig guy in this industry at this point. Uh, I I've have found myself, I have two shares of him so far, which is actually uh, it's under 50% for me, but I thought I'd have him in, in more leagues. But uh, I I don't hate the price, honestly. Like, you look at last year, even through those immense struggles that we all know about, it's all been talked about a million times in articles or on podcasts this offseason. Obviously, he hit 181. It was bad, but he still was on like a 24 homer, 10 steal, you know, 70 plus run in RBI pace last year, even through all those struggles. And yes, definitely got, uh, improved in September. Uh, September slash 248, 331, 524, seven home runs, three steals, 20 RBI, and 19 runs. I'm not saying he's going to be on that type of pace, but you know, he was, it was weird. He was messing with a stance, which is, odd because he didn't have any issues with the old stance like that the old stance is what got him you know up to being one of the top prospects in the game found success in the minor leagues at every level then he changes the stance i don't know if that was a him thing a seattle thing who knows but he got back to the old stance and started taking off later on the season so i I am intrigued i think he could be easily outperform this adp but i do get there's a lot of risk and there's a lot of other decent outfielders in this range as well uh mike what are your thoughts on on jared connick this season I do like the, uh, that we saw Kelnick make changes. Like again, goes back to tangible change. I'm big on that, and we saw a tangible change in terms of mechanical and batting stance changes, which correlated to that decent September form. And I say decent because 248, 331, 524. The, that slugging is good. Seven home runs, three stolen bases. So it's kind of like he was the player that we were hoping to draft for the last month of the season. Um, again, it should cut down the, the strikeout rate was only 24.6% for Kalnick, double digit walk rate, uh, 135 diversity plus. So the production was there in the final month. But how much of that was also him beating up on some quad A guys, you know, some of the late season guys you probably saw for a lot of teams, etc. But still, growth show sh- he showed growth that season. My concern is the thing is that there's give and take here. I don't usually get Kalnick, but that's because I usually end up with either Hanniger right before him, Winker, 
who I think there's proven production track record there, or I end up getting Trent Grisham, which I understand. I know Georgie isn't even one of, my, one of those guys. I'm a Trent Grisham guy. Last year, in a down year for Trent Grisham, he still posted 15 home runs, 13 stolen bases, and hit 242. His projection this year for Grisham is, is for from steamers 21 and 16 with a 246 average. And I think we're hoping for Kelnick to get there. And we've seen Grisham produce stat lines that can at least be more realistic getting there. So I think that's where the issue is for me is that Grisham is a guy I usually take here nine times out of 10, actually 10 times out of 10 so far, technically, because I have Grisham on teams. I don't have Kelnick on. So I find myself being more in on guys around him, but I understand the cost because Kelnick's one of the, also the final true power speed potential guys, not one of the last ones, but one of the higher upside ones that are left because beyond him, again, Grisham's go. Grisham and him are going 0.1 <laughs> pick difference in ADP. So right. let's be honest. So beyond him, what you have Avisel Garcia, who doesn't have quite the stolen base ceiling with a similar or better power upside, but in Miami, maybe not. Um, and then from there, it's like, what, at least Garcia, are you really going to bank on that power speed combo? <laughs> I, ben and Ben and I think is just underappreciated as, as a whole for outfielders. I'd rather so have Ben and but, but you don't have to pay the price for Ben and So it's like, you can almost get Ben and and one of those guys that have the higher upside. But Ben and yeah, I know you're a big Ben and guy, George, but <laughs> if, if, if Kelnick went out there and I think he has a higher power ceiling than Ben and I don't think anyone's going to argue that for Kelnick. But the stolen bases could be similar. So it's like maybe hedge your bets and you could wait on Benintendi, get less right. home runs, but similar batting average or better batting average with similar stolen bases even. So it's like one of those things that's like there's give and take with Kelly. Like I get it, but I just find myself out given pretty much everything I just said. So, yeah, yeah. you stand alone on this island again, Eric. Well, you, you mentioned the tangible change. And why did he change? Because he couldn't hit a high fastball. He couldn't hit a high major league fastball. And that's why he made the adjustment. And so he had to make the change because he couldn't get uh, to the high heat. Yeah. So that's that's important to note. And I do think it, his when he went back in September and went back to more of his original stance, like it was more beneficial. So be curious to see what what sticks next year. He's gonna come year. out have a huge spring, and he's gonna go. He's gonna be a top hundred pick now, and yep. then. And then yeah, he's gonna I be can see bust. that. Yeah, if we have spring training, let's just, you know. I'll Don't you? Po- I'll, I'm trying. I'm remaining positive. I think it's gonna happen. I'm saying, like, yeah, I, if we I have spring training for you, I hope it works. Where is it? What do you got? Oh, it didn't work. Damn it! Oh, it didn't do it. I got it. Here it is. Boo this man! There it is. <laughs> Booing you. Hey, I got the soundboard. I'm, I'm staying positive. I think we're gonna have it. I'm gonna say, yeah, if. if if Kalanick comes out and has a really strong spring turn, I can definitely see him vaulting up in the top 100. And with, with Ben and I like him as well. I was out on him, like, you know, in the tail end of his Red Sox days, because I saw him every day, just watching him play, and it was bad. Like the last, you know, year, year and a half. Those or biceps, so man. Yeah, Benny Biceps, baby. I love that. That's one of the best things, <laughs> Benny Biceps. Yeah, but that, 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 that there goes that. that I want to bring that up. Okay, sorry. You brought that up. I'm glad, I'm glad we did, actually, because people always think more muscle means good. Look what more muscle did to Ben Nintendi. Yeah, it hurt his good. It hurt his trajectory. It really did. Like maybe Ben Nintendi never had the ceiling we all hoped for in terms of fantasy. Probably but, true. But he was never a bad player. And now, like he hurt his trajectory, putting on all that muscle, it, it ruined his uh, mechanics and everything. And that's why we have to be careful what we hope for with Wander. It goes back to the, it all. It's always for full circle mm-hmm. to Wander and other top prospects. We have to be careful because look, Kelnick was also another guy that w- bulked up last year, right, or the year before. He got cool. huge. Like the dude just looked juiced, and yeah. uh, that's not always a good thing. Like Jason, yeah. didn't know, Victor Robles do the same thing? Robles did the same yeah. thing. Robles yeah, bulked like, up. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, it's not always like, good. That, yeah, it might add more raw strength, but that doesn't always translate even in the in the home runs. And you can you yeah. can it, like you said, it can go into your mechanics and you make you lose average. Maybe you slow down a little bit on the base pass. So it's not always a good thing. Like, people think and oh, pe- people need to keep added bulk is great. Yeah, it's great. Maybe he hits a few more home runs, but it could affect you in ever other parts. And it's more of a, a net negative than a net positive overall. Uh, and, at and, least, and, at least, at least in some cases, I, I can't right. speak for all cases, but the ones that we just named a whole bunch of top yeah, of our heads it, are like, it, oh, it, it's, it's, it's different with everybody, of course. But yeah, and, and with Ben and I bet I'd be willing to say if he's still in the Red Sox and did what he did last year with Kansas City, he'd be he'd be up in this ADP range. He'd be fifty spots higher. I think that's, the, that's kind of the big takeaway. That's kind of the big takeaway of all this. Yeah. Like maybe maybe we need to just skip this whole ADP range and just take Ben Yeah, yeah, it's definitely but like Ben Intendi two set two seventy six. 17 home runs, 73 RBI, 63 runs, eight steals in 538 point appearances last year. Yeah, if he's still on Boston or any other big, he's on the Yankees or the Dodgers or even like Philly or something like that, he's definitely top 150 pick. But he's going, oh, where's Ben Intendi on here? 180, I think. 187, yeah. 50th outfielder off the board behind, you know, Ian Happ, Adelise Garcia, Grossman, Hunter Renfro, guys like that. So, yeah, Benny's a good value here. Uh, let's kind of stick with that theme here. Who are some other guys in this range here? We'll, we'll kind of broaden it to the – go all the way up to 200 here. Uh, who are some guys in this range here that you – maybe just give one or two names that you really like. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. Who do you like in this range? I, I hate to even say it, but Marcelo Zuna, I do think that he's going to be back on the field. I mean, the, the brave statement leads me to believe that he's going to be in their lineup and play every day, and we've seen what he's capable of. He's going at you know around pick 200. And I think that he's going to easily return more production than that. I know we, we can get into all the other things about Marcelo Zuna, but at the end of the day, like it's fantasy baseball, you're drafting your teams to win, and Ozuna can do that for you. So I do like that spot for him. Ian Happ's another one. I think Happ, Happ is popping up on a lot of these you know, research things that I'm doing, a lot of stats. And, yeah, Happ's inconsistent. Happ's streaky. We think he's going to break out, and he doesn't. But, you know, where he's going, I think you can afford – to take a shot on him and he's going you know pick 184 since january 1st so it's a good shot there i, I think you know with the cubs lineup he's no one's going to take his spot he's going to be in the lineup every day so i'll take hap as well at that back end of the 200 range so both those guys aren't sexy they're they're you know, maybe not even likable but they're they're decent options for fantasy purposes hey you don't gotta like them you just gotta get production from them yep mike who do you, who do you like in this range uh, i mean it's just kind of like team build at this point i usually tend to fall like, depending on what I need, but Ian Happ's a guy that's always been interesting, interesting to me, especially again, another guy, we know how great Ian Happ has been, especially, I shouldn't say how, how great he's been, how great he was to finish the year. What I found interesting was he had to get through a lot of mental hurdles to get there. And there's a whole article on it for the, on the athletic, which I actually wrote an article on him, which then linked the article from the athletic because people need to understand like, when you do your player research, you should Google player's name. You'll be surprised the information you'll find just because it's a, an article about his struggles. And he just, he outlined a lot of his mental, he had come overcome a lot of mental struggles understanding that like he can't always be a certain type of player. He has to be a little more aggressive at the plate, et cetera, et cetera. Wrapped his head around that and Hap produced after getting wrapping his head around that. So I do buy into some of that second half production. I don't know how much of the stolen bases I buy, but I do like Ian Hap. But Ben Intendi is kind of like one of my favorite targets there. And then uh, just looking at I've, – I've landed I've, – I've, I'm torn on Grossman. The on-base skills are there. He obviously steals bases pretty well. So it's like if I need some bases in a pinch – 
I know the batting average is a lot ability, but I think the stolen bases will be double digits. And I do think he can get on base at a good clip again. And then Solaire just outside the top 200 right behind Ozuna. I, I love the second half, huge second half, great finish for the Braves. And I think if anybody can hit 40 home runs going this late, Solaire's that guy. Yeah, he's shown he, he can in the past. He had that one year with Casey hit like what, 40, was it 47, 46, 40? I think. Yeah, somewhere in the mid upper 40s. And he had the probably the hardest hit home run in the history of the world series. I don't know if that's true, but that, that home run, he it just looked at cr- 48. It looked at, it, it looked at yeah. on just on the eye test. Like don't even looking at any yeah. radar guns or any <laughs> metrics. Like it looked like the hardest hit home run. He had 48 in 2019, but that was with the okay. juice ball. That was with the juice ball. But even last year, Solar had a, like a horrendous first half and yeah. he had such a good, he hit 20 alone in the second half. And the second half is the shorter half. So you can easily see a path to 40 home runs. If everything clicks, assuming that the second half Solar is more likely to be what we get versus the first half. And you got to think whoever gets him, it's going to be a contender. Uh, he's likely going to DH, so he should right. be able to remain healthy. He has shown being able to remain healthy the last two two out of the last, I'd say the last two real seasons he's played, you know, uh, 2019, 2021, played at least 149 games in each. So I think yeah. Solaire is being underappreciated. And the second he signs, if he signs to a contender or if he goes back to the Braves somehow, um, that's a guy that's going to shoot up draft boards because we saw with the Braves, the Braves were willing to hit him leadoff. Yeah. Like, like why like maybe they do that again, let Acuna ease himself back up into leadoff, give Acuna all those RBI opportunities batting in the middle of the order, especially if they lose Freeman, because I don't know if you saw, but reports are sorry, Clegg, but the Yankees uh, are uh, in on uh, Freeman. Don't, you can't mention <laughs> Freeman going to any other Freeman, team. Freeman <laughs> literally I saw today there was a report that the Yankees are in on Freeman. I and saw you knew that too, you yeah. knew the Yankees were gonna go after Freeman or Olsen. Although I do think if there's a team that could trade for Olsen, it might be the Braves because I think the A's will would be willing to take a package. I think the Braves can offer a package. Yeah. So although they might lose Freeman, you're gaining a younger guy with a similar skill set. He's not as good as Freeman, but at the same time, Freeman is aging. You guys might be doing yourself a favor. Not Oh, it's maybe. almost like Pujols. Like maybe you got the best out of Freeman. You guys won your World Series. Like, you know, Give him a yeah. nice little send off. Yeah, you know? it sucks, but I mean, like Freeman's the face of the franchise. That's the only thing. I, I don't think the face of the franchise now. Uh, but but Freeman's been there since 07. Like he got drafted I, in 07. So I, I, like, I, I don't know, man. I think Acuna, the flashiness of Acuna's personality sure. just takes it over. If if they got Matt Olson, if Freddie walked, I'd, obviously I'd be upset. But if they got Matt Olson, it would be a nice consolation. Because I do, uh, I, you, you're right. I mean, Freeman's aging. He's going to get a massive contract, and Olsen's younger and cheaper. So, and he's given similar production. So, it would suck, but if they got Olsen, it would and make Olsen's it a defense is great too. So, it's not like you're losing defense if you, sure. you did get Olsen too. I think the Braves are a good fit for them if the Yankees don't. Yankees have prospects to trade for once too. I'm surprised they don't go out and trade for Olsen versus, uh, but I think they need somebody that's a better hit tool, sure. The Yankees, because if you look at their team, it's loaded with on base skill guys it's not loaded with good contact high batting average guys who also do on base and freeman's skill set is more of that than olsen so i think freeman's a better fit for the yankees plus a lefty bat in the middle of the order would be yeah they, for them. he'd hit like he hit 40 in yankee stadium i fully <laughs> believe that but we all know yeah. that the face of the atlanta braves <laughs> is tyler matzik we all know this mm-hmm. guys. <laughs> tyler nutsack matzik we all know he's the face of the franchise uh george who are a couple guys in this range you're liking yeah, I, I really like some of the the calls here. Uh, Solaire, Benintendi, um, they're big time targets for me. But uh, yeah, a couple more names going a little bit earlier, just right around one fifty. But I, I'm, you know, I'm a big Lord Escurial guy. Um, last year, uh, last year two seventy six. That was his career worst two seventy six batting average. I think he's got a solid batting average floor. And you look at what he did in the second half, hitting uh, two ninety six, three sixty five, twenty nine. Wasn't really a good like. 
plate discipline guy, but kind of really made some gains there in the second half, 8.8% walk rate, 17% strikeout rate. And you look at the stat cast stuff too. I mean, 12% barrel rate, 50% hard hit rate. I mean, Guriel was one of the best hitters um, there in the second half. And, and I mean, you always want a piece of that uh, Blue Jays lineup. So yeah, big, uh, big Lourdes Guriel guy. And then, um, Let's see another one. Uh, another guy that I'm really interests me, um, Alex Kirilov. I mean, if he put, I love Kirilov, that yeah. wrist. Yeah, I mean, if the wrist surgery that that he got, I mean, if he if he puts those wrist injuries, that wrist injury behind him, I mean, I think he's someone that can really take off. I mean, all he did in the minors was just hit. I mean, incredible hitter, um, and power is, is coming through you, you look at the Statcast uh stuff you, you know numbers from last year 12 percent barrel rate i know it was you know really limited sample but um everything un- underneath the hood looks just incredible and and i think i don't see i mean i know the projection systems don't project them for too much playing time but i i feel like he's not really someone that i i think will be is like injury prone i i think if he put that uh the wrist issues behind him. I, I don't see any reason why there in Minnesota, he can't get, you know, 600 plate appearances. And um, I, I think, yeah, I think he, he's someone that can really take off. So he's really interesting there. And I, I also like that first base outfield eligibility. Yeah, absolutely agree there. I love Kirilov. I think he's, he's a plus hitter with the power that's really developing over the last couple of years. So yeah, definitely think he could be like an annual 280 plus, 25 to 30 homer type of guy and yeah i, I don't think the play will be in jeopardy like who's he a loose playing time to like i don't know brent rooker trevor larnick like, he's better than those guys so yeah, definitely maybe he hits lower in the order seventh or eighth or so because they have a pretty solid order you know they'll boxed in and polanco and donaldson and kepler in the middle so he probably hits a little lower but i do love kirloff he's one of the guys i was going to mention uh going in that range uh, another two that i, I like I like Akil Badu. You know, the metrics aren't great with him, but he did have an 8.8% barrel rate last year. He's probably going to, you know, lead off for Detroit again this year. Good speed as well. Um, he's always been a guy that projected to be like a 20 to 25 steal guy, and he had 18 last year in 461 plate appearances while hitting 259, 13 home runs. You know, I wouldn't ex- expect much more than that 13. He's probably more of a 10 to 12, you know, 15 at most type of home run guy, but. Add in 20 plus steals over full season, solid amount of run scored, uh, average that won't kill you. It's, it's not like a sexy profile, but definitely a, a solid profile going in the, like the mid 100 range. Another one I like a lot too, he's going later towards the back end of the top 200. Uh, where's his ADP here? A 193, 51st outfitter off the board. I like Michael Conforto a good amount. Now, he had a terrible year last year, but some of the underlying metrics are still in line with years past, like, you know, the hard hit rate, barrel rate, the you know, walk and strikeout rates, but only at 232 with 14 home runs and 479 plate appearances. But and he was battling some injuries throughout the year. So I think he can take a nice, uh, nice step forward again, you know, where he signs remains to be seen. He's a free agent right now, but uh, if he lands in a good hit, uh, left-handed hitters park, I think you can see a nice bounce back, maybe not back to a top 100 player, but definitely better than, you know, a 193 ADP uh, for sure. Uh, one last segment here before we get into the next set of ADP. Is there any? We've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but is there anybody that we haven't talked about that you guys are just avoiding, like the plague in the top two hundred? Maybe it's Adelise Garcia or anybody else. Uh, Chris, how about you? Is there anybody you're hundred percent avoiding? That's, that's an easy answer, Adelise. There's, there's yeah. no way, mm-hmm. no chance. So you, you don't, you don't think he could be, you know, a twenty-five, ten guy? I don't care if he can because I'm not taking the guy <laughs> or, the, or the risk that he ends up on the bench. Right. Yeah. So especially with all, all the and Texas could add more, like they might not be done they, after yeah, the lockout. So 
yeah, they could add more. So yeah, Adelise because he has an easy answer. Uh, George, Mike, yeah, either of you uh, in at all on Adelise? Are you both out? Nope. No, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, no. They're I mean, shaking their heads. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I, I mean, it's six twenty six OPS in the second half. I mean, that's that's not someone who can keep his job. And I mean, if they hadn't signed um, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, maybe I think okay, maybe his playing time's a little safe. But you're looking at a guy, you know, late career uh, breakout. No real reason for them to hold on to him if if he's, you know, if he enters a season. Uh, kind of picking up where he left off in the second half. Um, he won't be long in that lineup. You know who had a very similar hot stretch, but it was the second half. Same team, Danny Santana, like in 2019. Oh, Danny Santana. <laughs> but yep. same idea. Like he, yeah. like the the power speed potential was there. He 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 hit on it. A lot of um, volatility in the plate discipline, but it clicked for a half because Danny Santana had that big second half for the Rangers, and then people were drafting him in a similar range, probably. And he never even saw anything. He started more than a month that next year. So I think that there's a similar potential here, especially like you mentioned. I do think Texas isn't done with signing players around the big two they've already gone after. This could lead to him to being more of a bench bat slash fourth outfield type, which might be better for him anyway, in terms of at least for the real life team. I'm not sure. How's the glove, though? Will the glove maybe secure? Because I don't think Santana had that, uh, that attribute. I don't know much about his defense. That could yeah. possibly help him. That's what I'm just asking. I don't know much about Garcia's defense. I'm not gonna lie, I haven't like looked into his defense too much. I don't much think anybody cares, but, but right, but yeah. Maybe I, I, that I is a path to I think playing he's okay, time. at least. But the thing but, is, like Texas's outfield is terrible right now. Their, their current starting outfield projected is left to right, Nick Solak, Adelise Garcia, and Cole Calhoun in a platoon with oh god knows what Andy Abanez or Eli White or whoever. So yeah, that outfield is terrible. So I think even one addition, he'd be still be starting. But yeah, this type of guy that if he gets off, if he ends 20 or if he starts 2022 as he ended 2021, and just absolutely atrocious, hitting under 200, striking out a, you know, a million percent. Yeah, he definitely can find his way to the bench. <laughs> a million percent. That's what it felt like. <laughs> I mean, word. It was, I don't know what he actually probably with 47 percent end of the year. A negative but, 32 Z contact rate. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's how it was under the year with Adelise Garcia. Uh, so he, should, he could be a guy that even gets demoted to triple I or something like that. Or yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely out on uh, Garcia there. Moving into the next uh, ADP range here. This is a really, you know, the kind of like the two, 201 to 250 range. Very enticing range. There's a lot of players that could break out in this range. Uh, so after we already talked about Ozuna and Solaire, who were right there at 200 ish. After that, you got Raymond Lariano, who misses the first, uh, what's it, first 30 games or whatever. Um, this 20? Year. Is it 20? Huh? Is it 30? 20, I thought it was 20. It's 20. 20. He ends, like, it's like late April, I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's like 20 to 30 something games. So he'll play like, you know, he'll, yeah, he'll get back late April. And then you got AJ Pollock, Saya Suzuki. Maybe he signs with Boston. That's been rumored. Kike Hernandez, Harrison Bader, Austin Hayes, Josh Rojas, Jesus Sanchez, Joe Adele. Charlie Blackman, Lane Thomas, and Adam Duvall, and then Tom, uh, uh, Andrew Vaughn and Tommy Pham right at 250 as well. So a couple of some breakout potentials here. Uh, George, who's a, a guy or two you really like in this range? Yeah, um, I, I find myself targeting um, Enrique Hernandez a lot. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure... You know, I know like in the playoffs, he would flip back and forth between first and second, depending uh, versus lefties, he would lead off and then versus righties, he, he'd move to second. I'm not sure what uh, who else Boston might add, but um, 
Yeah, if he's leading off there still, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, an easy 90 runs, 90 plus runs. And um, I, I think he's got, you know, 20, 25 homer power. So I really like Enrique Hernandez. And then, um, I mean, Jesus Sanchez. I, I, I love what we've seen from Jesus Sanchez. Yeah. I think um, I think that strikeout rate could definitely come down if you 31% strikeout rate. But if you look at like the contact rate and stuff, I mean, I, I think he could maybe uh, – if he's maybe just a little more aggressive, the contact rate was, you know, right around league average. I think that strikeout rate could come down a little bit. So really like Jesus Sanchez. And if he's, uh, yeah, putting the ball in play a little bit, I mean, we know how hard he can hit the ball. So I, I think there's, you know, 25, 30 homer potential there um, in Miami with Jesus Sanchez. So I really like those two guys. Yeah, those those are two picks I love as well. Obviously, I love Hernandez, you know, being a Boston guy. He's really he was a, a spark plug for, for Boston. And, and Sanchez, I put in my outfield, you know, not sleepers article. I know Michael don't, not, doesn't like that term, but my outfield targets past top 280p. Mm-hmm. I love Jesus Sanchez. Yeah, Mike, shut up. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris, who do, who do you like here in, the, in this range? Uh, I like Harrison Bader a bit. I think that he's kind of intriguing power-speed combo, and I think that we probably haven't seen his best yet, so I think he could take a step forward. He's, he's going right there with Enrique Hernandez, so I like that. I, I liked Austin Hayes a lot, but the fence being pushed back. Yeah. You know, slightly concerning for a guy with fringe power like he had and so maybe we see a batting average tick up may play a little higher babbit so i'm kind of you know not as much on him i do think that joe joe adele is a potential breakout here uh, we saw the tangible change of him just making more contact last year and it, it kind of went under the radar but i mean his contact rate last year was up like 12 percent from the previous year and we know that he has big power and speed potential I think he could be a 30-10 type guy with a maybe 260 average, which would be serviceable enough when he's putting up those kind of power speed numbers. And with the with the change that we saw, when we saw the improved contact last year, I think that it's a pretty easy call. I want Adele on all of my teams right now because I think that the if there's a breakout in this range, it, I think it's him. Yeah, no, I think Adele could still break out, especially in the power department. Like he, seeing the the power, the raw power for him is easily double plus. So, yeah, I, I like Adele a lot as well. I'm gonna go next here. I'm gonna. I think Mike might have said the guy I want to talk about, so I'm gonna try to snipe Mike here. I love Lane Thomas in this range. Uh, he really broke out near the end of last year. Probably will lead off again for Washington this year in front of Juan Soto, in front of Josh Bell, who had a pretty good end of the year as well. And I, I put this tweet out there in September. Uh, was it in September last year? Uh, there was only was it one, two, three, seven players that had five or more home runs, three plus deals, twenty plus runs, and twenty plus RBI. That was Trey Turner, Bo Bichette, Ozzy Albies, T. Oscar Hernandez, Tyler O'Neill, Ian Happ, and then Lane Thomas, who's going closer to two, pick two fifty. You know, the he walks a good amount, so the contact skills aren't the greatest. Um, but he does walk a lot, so he'll still get on a, a solid OBP clip. I think he could be a 15 homer, 20 steal guy uh, this late, or at least 15, 15. Uh, and that's pretty damn good this late in the draft. Good, probably 80 plus runs scored if he stays in the leadoff spot all season. Average that won't kill you. It's not going to be great. Probably like 240 to 250, but that's not like I don't think he's hit 200. I think that and OBP will be pretty solid. So definitely a, a little bit of a, a nice boost there in OBP format. So uh, I, I've been scooping up a lot of Lane Thomas so far in my drafts of this ADP range. Mike, how about you? Yeah, you know I'm a Lane Thomas guy. <laughs> I know. I you did you did that you did that article on him. So yes. I was like, you know like, what? I'm all gonna, the way I, back in October, I think. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, that's gonna, how long I'm ago. gonna snipe him. 
Yeah, he uh, he started leading off. Lane Thomas did eight twenty one, and from there to the end of the season, he started forty or forty one games. Led off thirty nine of those forty starts. I think with the one being like batting second, he hit seven home runs, four stolen bases, which you know over a full season will be double digit of both. Uh, you mentioned the batting average basically possibly being an issue. The big concern is also his splits. Again, very small sample at the major league level, but Lane Thomas has struggled against righties, but not in the sense of like going full Brandon Lau and having like terrible, horrendous plate discipline. He still strikes out like I think around 25-26% and double-digit walk rate against righties. So although the batting average hasn't been there, I think there's a chance for it to at least be better because of that plate discipline not being a complete dumpster fire against right righties so that's a good thing to mention with lane thomas and technically it's not great but he, he did hit better against righties during this stretch like only hit like 225 against them but you're looking at a guy in lane thomas who's going to lead off with a little bit of pop a little bit of speed and should he's be given somewhat of a leash before being pulled out although we saw the same leash like for robust right he was supposed to be entering the season with a leash and he was like leading off i think I dared to like, yeah, no, you're going to be batting ninth. So hopefully that's <laughs> not the case with Thomas. Cause again, he showed success in his small little run with them, but I mean, maybe he's the next Cardinals outfielder that, you know, the Randy Rosarina type, you know, wishful thinking. Oh, uh, I just rambled about him. Now I can move on to another guy real quick. Uh, Bader. I want to mention the big, the good thing about Bader is not only the power and speed, but the plus like crazy good plus defense. The guy's, a gold yeah. glove def- defender that will alone keep him in the lineup. So even if he's batting ninth, he will still compile power and speed in the process while being good enough to possibly move up the lineup, especially if Edmund does struggle. Maybe you see Bader get a chance to lead off sometimes, but again, the, the defense will keep him there. Um, and you guys mentioned kind of the rest of them. I, I do. I, I'm very intrigued in Suzuki. I think he's a lot of fun and he's a guy I like to target just for the upside here. Cause I, I usually build a pretty solid foundation at this point. So Suzuki's a guy I will land on at this current ADP, but I expect it to keep going up, especially once he officially signs. Yes, especially if it's in Boston or, or another big market team. Yeah, I think he would fit very well in Boston. I really do. I think that ballpark would fit his profile very well. So yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. Boston better sign somebody after that. <laughs> tr- after trading Hunter Renfro for JBJ, JBJ. <laughs> I love JBJ as a person. I think he's a great dude and great defender fun- still. Yeah, right? he's fun to watch. Deep. I, I appreciate a good defensive center fielder, but he can't hit anymore. So we better go and get another bat, whether it's Suzuki or Conforto or Schwarber, whoever. We need another bat, that's for sure. Um, real quick, we're on a little bit long here, so we'll do a we'll kind of more rapid fire these last two segments. Uh, a couple, some of the young prospects going in this range, you know, 250 plus ADP range. Uh, are you in on any of these guys uh, in this range? Uh, George, we got Julio Rodriguez, Riley Green, Vidal Brujan. Real quick, are you in on any of those guys or are you avoiding them all? Uh, not that I've avoided all of them, um, but I, I think the one that f- for me, um, if he's if I'm gonna count on you know getting called up early, so I, I think and getting that playing time, I think for me is Riley Green. Um, I'm willing to take a chance on him there. I, I'm not really targeting any of these guys. I, I'm not like looking at my fifth outfielder spot and saying, okay, I'm gonna get one of these uh, high upside prospects. But um, yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not opposed to to taking a chance on on someone like Green. Yeah, I if if I'd go with any of these three, it's definitely Riley Green for me as well. I think he's he'll be up soon. He is the uh, profile that I think can transition more seamlessly to the majors. Yeah, I'm not. I love J Rod, but I don't think he's up but until like June at the earliest. So I don't know why he's going as early as he is. Mike, you in any of these guys in your drafts? 
And then typically the way I draft, I just I'm very anti-prospect in these formats. Now, maybe I take a chance on a green where there's fab or something where I can afford to maybe stash them for a month, assuming that I don't have any other big time injuries and such. But like like J-Rod, I love the idea of J-Rod, but I feel like maybe I don't know. I, I I'd rather I usually just let someone else take them. And then Bruhan, I remember like I think it was last year or was it 2020 even? Where Bruhan was supposed to be what pushed Brandon Lau out of the off that roster, like that was supposed to be a thing, and now we're over here like, well, now Bruhan's like what at best utility type because you have Josh Lowe coming up still, Brandon Lau who has solidified his spot on this team and deserves to be on this team and starting. Um, so what besides chasing speed, I don't get drafting him honestly at all. Um, so yeah, I'm I, I guess that's me just saying I'm pretty much out on all of them I, as of right now. You. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I don't want any of them to be honest. I, <laughs> I don't think J Rod's up early enough. I think the Mariners probably learned from what they did with Kelnick last year, and I, yeah. I think J Rod has potential to be better than you know any prospect we've seen recently. And I just think he's that talented of hitter, powers, even got some decent speed. I'm not sure Green's up early enough either. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the Tigers' plans are. Bruhan, there's a zero percent chance I'm touching, but. I just prefer not to take any of them. But Green, if I had to pick one, it'd be Riley Green, but I don't really want him either. Yeah, same here. Uh, we're running a bit long, so we'll end with this next thing real quick. You know, for the you know deeper leaguers out there, so we'll go past, let's say a past pick 380p, you know, maybe 400, but who's a, who's a deep league guy past 380p that is you would put as like a, a must-have for you guys in your drafts? Mike, who's that for you? The late career breakout of Tyrone Taylor. I just love everything from what I saw in his profile last year. And he did, like, Tyrone Taylor only had 271 plate appearances and posted 12 home runs and six stolen bases with like a Z contact over 90%. So the contact rate was there. And he has done contact. He has had similar contact rates in his profile in the past, not to mention pretty solid uh, plate discipline as a whole throughout his career. And we're talking about a guy that every projection system has him. At least 13 home runs, if not more, at least I said at least, and at least four stolen bases. But I think realistically six is fair because he went six or seven last year in such a limited sample. And right now, as the team currently stands, which could change, he is slotted in as a DH, but the glove is actually better than Yelich at this point, and Kane can't stay healthy. So I think, you know, if there's a DH, Yelich would end up DHing. And not to mention, I just gave you two guys that are likely missing time, which gives Taylor a chance to play more. So Taylor's a guy that there's power and speed there late. I think a actual ceiling of his to be to give it like a full on ceiling is like a 2010 guy batting around 250. And I think going outside the top 400, knowing that that's a ceiling of a player, but the floor I think is still going to be 10 to 12 home runs with five or so stolen bases as a plug and play type of guy in these deeper leagues. I think Tyrone Taylor is a guy that I feel like I need to get in every draft and I only have one share because I've just kind of come to this realization over the last like couple weeks. Cause you know, I draft before I'm done prepping. And then as I'm done prepping, I'm like, well, I wasted four drafts. I didn't get this guy. In. <laughs> right. So yes, yeah, that's uh, what happens when we're drafting in like early November. Yes. I'm drafting before <laughs> I even start my prep. Honestly, drafting early is part of my prep because it makes me, it pushes me to get started. Right. Otherwise I'm, I'm, I'm a very lazy person. Like, like, <laughs> or I get very focused on something like right now I'm focused on code learning Python. I'm very focused on that. So I spend hours of learning Python to learn the very basics. And I've, I have things I have to do for the site that help George with on the site that I'm like pushing off because I'm super hyper-focused on this other task, which I'm probably going to, I'm going to tell George, yeah, I'll get started on our other task, but I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and actually go f- screw around with Python for like another couple hours a day. <laughs> George, who's your guy? 
Uh, one guy I found myself uh, taking a lot in like these draft and holds really late. Um, going at pick uh, 480, 448, Kyle Isbell. Um, I'm interested Tyrone Taylor. Let George go. Tyrone Taylor. Yeah, no, Taylor, Taylor's another good one for sure. But uh, yeah, Kyle Tyrone Isbell, Taylor. I'm interested to see if he gets a, a chance there um, in Kansas City, um, you know, perform much better in the small sample that he had uh, in September there for them uh, really cut down that strikeout rate and um, yeah, hit 286, 362, 524. And just in the 16 games there um, another interesting, you know, kind of a uh, little bit of power and some speed there with the, uh, you know, Kansas city likes to run. So I think, yeah, if he can get full run there at one of the outfield spots, uh, he's an interesting guy. I just hope that they give, an outfield spot to either him or Olivares. Give it to one. I don't even yeah. care at this point. <laughs> just play one of them. Not you know. Don't screw them around and send them AAA five hundred times a year. Give it to one of them. I don't even care. Isabel Olivares. I don't even care. One of them. Um. I, yeah. I like, I like Isabel a lot. That speed could be a, a definite factor. That late. Chris, who's your guy? Yeah, I was going with Isabel as well. So I'm gonna pivot and go with Bradley Zimmer. I know Tyrone contact, Taylor. The contact skills suck. <laughs> I mean, Bradley Zimmer's contact skills aren't there, but the power speed definitely is. I mean. He's he's probably the one that stood out the most when I'm in my exit velocity research doing looking at these percentiles. I mean, he absolutely smacks the ball around, and you know, it wouldn't surprise me if I mean, who else is going to play in that outfield? I, I really don't know. They don't have anybody. I don't think they're going to go out and get anybody. So I think that the Zimmer gets a shot. He could potentially lead off. Uh, he's not going to hit for a great average unless he makes some tangible change. But the power speed is is really interesting this late near pick near pick four fifty. But yeah, him Kyle Isbell like both of them. I even like Taylor as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Cross. My pick Say is uh, Tyrone Taylor. No, I'm just yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, all, all, all these guys are good targets. I think I have a share of every one of these players so far. Um, I like uh, Josh. Josh Lowe is another great target. I think if, if they do uh, trade Kevin Kiermaier, which has been at least rumblings of that potentially happening after the lockout ends, uh, if he gets that starting spot in center field, and he's a good defensive center fielder too, so that, that definitely helps his case. He, he would definitely be. Uh, I think he would go up 100 picks in ADP. He's he's a definite uh, power speed guy. Uh, one guy I've been getting a lot of is Brendan Marsh. I think he's definitely got a spot in that Angels outfield. It's, it's basically Trout and then kind of two spots up for, up, up for grabs out there. I think he gets one. He's a good defensive center fielder as well. Uh, so I think he gets one of the other two spots. And yeah, last year it was only you know, 254, 317, 356 with a 35% K rate. But that's not who he's shown in the minor leagues. He's definitely not a 35% K rate guy. Uh, I don't think he's going to be like a 15% either, but uh, definitely to that coming back down under 30%. Uh, he was a good, you know, hit 287 in the minors, 11.2% walk rate. Uh, it's always pretty solid. 45 steals with the 80% success rate in 295 games. I think he'd be a 20 steal guy this year. And the power has definitely kind of turned it up. He's more of a ground ball line drive guy. So the ground ball rate has really hindered his power overall. But last year had a 10.9% barrel rate. 92.1 average exit below and 51.7% hard hit rate. So if you can get that fly ball rate up a little bit, get that launch angle up a little bit, I think he could be a 15 homer guy this year. And I think he's going to play, you know, almost every day out there as long as he's hitting well. So definitely a nice little potential 15, 20 guy going, you know, and then the mid 300 range. I definitely love Brendan Marsh, um, but that is going to wrap us up. Mike, George, thanks so much for coming on. This was a, this was a lot of fun. Fantastic. Oh yeah. Always a pleasure. Well, speak for yourself. Thanks yourself, for having George. us on. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, definitely go check out all that these two are doing. Uh, check out, hopefully, we get the spring training soon so we can get Mike's lineup takeaways. Those are absolutely phenomenal. Highly recommend those. 
George's work over at NBC Sports Edge, the Basis Loaded podcast, you know, um, all the stuff at SK Playbook. Go check out all of that as well. Uh, definitely highly recommended. These two are two of my favorite people in the industry. So I uh, highly recommend everything that they put out that you should, all should be reading or listening to. But that is going to wrap us up this week. Uh, thank you to all to listeners for tuning in again this week. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow all of us on Twitter. George is at Roto underscore Nino. Mike at Mike underscore Curlin. Chris says that Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work for Chris and I over at Fantrax HQ or over at our Patreon. And join us again next time for our SP or starting pitcher preview with We'll have Michael Simeone and Lauren Auerbach. So that'll be another fun show here later on in the week. So check that out. Until then, everyone take care. Yeah.